James Baldwin birthed this baby, and Barry, you nurtured her, you surrounded her with so much love and support, so it's appropriate for me to be standing here because I'm an example of what it looks like when support and love is poured into someone. Mom. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Another category review. This time, Michael, we are doing the supporting actress category, looking through it, examining it, and investigating it. And we have yet again another special guest that we can welcome on to the MMO show today. Izzy from the Be Kind Rewind YouTube channel joins us today. And look, we are going to gush about a bunch of her videos during the interview. I think the best way to introduce her is to tell you guys about all of the other videos or some of the other videos because we can't, can't tell you about them all. Because we love this channel, Mike. Yeah. And if you're an Oscars fan, if you're listening to our podcast, you need to subscribe to this channel. It is some of the most addictive YouTube watching there is. Yeah, it's she's outstanding at what she does. And like Mike says, we're going to tell her as much. But you can find such videos on her channel as explaining why do we love Meryl Streep, mm. how Hepburn and Streisand tied for Best Actress, Geraldine Page wins an Oscar, The Color Purple Doesn't, 1986, Sandra Bullock and the White Savior trope from 2010 and before we came on today mike you were watching a video of hers oscar's so white and the legacy of halle berry i can throw the same question back at you before you know i sat down with you today you were watching yeah, another one the sissy spacek uh, best actress win about biopics and how the best actress category is tied to them from 1981 seriously she has a growing and a burgeoning youtube channel and it's for a reason she is outstanding at what she does in breaking down various best actress races videos on betty davis jane fonda grace kelly Cher, liza minnelli liz taylor etc etc subscribe seriously we love this channel and we love talking to her and we can't wait for you guys to hear it yeah so izzy is up first talking about the supporting actress race afterwards we're going to have the traditional mmo category breakdown if you don't know what that is stay tuned i'll explain it to you when we get there and finishing off this episode is perfecting perfection but like we just set the table for first it is our great honor to welcome izzy from be kind rewind on to the mmo show we will see you guys on the other side all right, on the line right now, we have Izzy from Be Kind Rewind. Izzy, thank you so much for doing this with us. Mike and I are giant fans of yours. Thank you for spending your time with us. Of course, it's my pleasure to be here. So we're talking supporting actress today. And, and first things first, uh, for those of you who don't know, Izzy runs the Be Kind Rewind YouTube channel. And like I said, uh, Mike and I have become giant fans of yours in very short time. Uh, I just wanted to kind of let you introduce yourself for people who don't know and why they would be finding out who you are through us and not you is beyond my wildest imaginations because <laughs> you're a master of what you do. But can you just kind of take us a, a second to introduce yourself and just kind of recap what made you start the channel in the first place and maybe just a quick highlight of your process for making a video as you do so stupendously on all things Oscars? Sure. Um, so I run the Be Kind Rewind YouTube channel, which uses the Oscars, specifically the Best Actress um, category, as a lens to sort of explore the stories of different women or specifically actresses um, throughout Hollywood history. Um, so that could be, you know, learning about different genres, about uh, learning about the politics of the studio system or, you know, anything in between. Um, I got into it because I was trying to get a job in like film curation or film history. I was just really interested in trying to find a way to make my interest, my passion and my job. 
so I basically just started a channel to um, put a video portfolio together and I'd never expected it to do well. I never expected anyone to watch it. I was just kind of doing it for me and everything is sort of ballooned from there. So the way I sort of start my videos is that I pick a year. Um, usually that's picked at random and now my patrons help. Thank you patrons. Um, <laughs> and typically I just go in not knowing anything or trying not to know anything um, and seeing what I come across and what trends start to form as I look through old magazines or uh, start reading books about movies or memoirs, whatever I can get my hands on, I'll start digging into it and just see from there what pops up. I don't want to go in with any preconceived notions about anything. You've actually inspired us with uh, a lot of your videos where, you know, you go down these rabbit holes, they must take, you know, weeks, if not months. We're just curious. I mean, how, how long does it take to research a single video? You, you mentioned books and articles, you know, you're going back through your archives there. I mean, you're, you're scouring the internet, I imagine. Do you have any uh, weird research, I guess, recommendations uh, about how you get all your stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say the research portion is a majority of the work that goes into it. And when I put it, when I actually edit the video, it only takes about two or three days. Mm. Um, but writing it is just a nightmare. <laughs> so that'll take, you know, anywhere from two to three weeks to do. Um, just in terms of research, I try to prioritize first-hand accounts and um, primary sources as much as possible. So if anyone is interested in doing um, videos like this, I would definitely look into any online archives that are available. I use newspapers.com a lot, which has um, newspapers going back to like, I think early 20th century. So um, yeah, so it's very, very valuable to just sort of get a sense of what people were talking about and the kind of language they use to describe movies and people and things like that that's where we've been going wrong mike she didn't mention wikipedia which is right yeah the, <laughs> the first and only stop we do no no and no she it, goes yeah no but seriously we we've just we've loved those videos and we've we've taken inspiration from them in yeah our, in no our own no lie ways. you've you've been truly an inspiration to us in the way we try to stuff our episodes with the money facts and storylines so you are amazing at what you do and keep at it well thank you yeah we could talk about your videos all day so Let's do exactly that right now. <laughs> uh, your latest video asks the question of, like, what's going on with the Oscars? What's going on with women in the Oscars in particular? You know, mm -hmm. I found myself just nodding and cringing. Mm. I'm very I'm very much a man, very much a white man, and just cringing, <laughs> you know, a lot throughout this video. But nodding and cringing and cringing and nodding all throughout the, the 10 minutes of truth. And I don't know how much you put so much truth in, in, in 10 minutes of video, but you did. Uh, so kudos there. I'm wondering... If you can apply that video to this supporting actress category, though, and we can transition a little bit into this five, because we have a divorce attorney, a mother of an accused criminal, a heroic German in World War II, a Fox News producer, and the best Amy March ever. I'm going to ask you more about that in a few minutes. <laughs> Do you think this set of nominated supporting actress characters what do you think it says about the role of women in this academy and the film industry at large? Um, I mean, to be honest, I know, I know, I know, I, I, I speak about best actress a lot, but I think that best supporting actress is honestly a more interesting category because it's where you get a lot of really, really interesting character work done. Mm. So this year in particular is kind of interesting. I mean, it seems like one of the races that is sort of 
in uh, nailed in stone right now. I mean, there's really not much of a competition happening. Yeah. But um, what's interesting to me is it has sort of a similar problem to what Best Actress has this year, which is that the other the films that are highlighted aren't films that anyone is really taking seriously for best act or for best picture. There are a lot of sort of domestic type roles, like even though, you know, Scarlett Johansson is playing sort of a hero in, yeah. in Jojo Rabbit, she is also primarily there to serve as the maternal figure. Right. Um, you have Kathy Bates, who's also the maternal figure. And then, you know, Laura Dern and Margot Robbie sort of stand out as, you know, professional women. But also, you know, what I think is interesting is for so many roles recently, it sort of seemed like your job as a female is tied directly to your gender. Whereas if you look at Best Supporting Actor, for example, they have really nothing to do with gender at all. It's not really about their paternal instincts or anything like that. It's just what they're doing because that's what they do. Whereas with Bombshell, it's it's that way with Little Women, with Jojo Rabbit, with Richard Jewell, not so much marriage story, but I think it's interesting that for women, the fact that you are a woman is going to be a part of the role that you're taking on. That's a great I, I think that's point. A, yeah, that's an amazing I just found point myself now. nodding yeah. like I was watching, right. watching one of her videos right now again. I feel like we're in a class with a great <laughs> no, it's professor. Great. I, it's so true because <laughs> yeah. even the big scenes for Laura Dern, it, it's talking about the role of women in, in a courtroom. Yeah. And I, oh, right. I, I absolutely agree. There, there's also this kind of duality where Jennifer Lopez is kind of snubbed by the Academy and mm-hmm. we have theorized in part it's because no matter how progressive the Academy likes to think themselves, they're not ready to openly embrace the subject matter of a day-to-day life of, of an exotic dancer or a stripper. Whereas Brad mm-hmm. Pitt, you know, one of the highlights of his year for being in the supporting actor race and part of why it's so sewn up at that point for that race as well is that, oh my God, did you see how great Brad Pitt looks with his shirt off at 55? Yeah. Yeah. Does sexuality come up a lot in those ways, or is that something that the Academy's gotten any better at? Or do you think it's just still kind of status quo as it's been throughout history? So I think sexuality is a huge part of it because, I mean, if you look at the history of Best Actress, for example, and the women who've won that award, a majority of them have played a hooker at some point or a Mm -hmm. prostitute or whatever. They'll refer to it in different ways, like Jane Fonda, Include. So many of them have played women who have been like sexually abused, for example. The Academy is very used to seeing women in sexual roles as long as they are objects or passive characters. What's interesting about Hustlers, I think, is that it really does put Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu in this really empowered position where it is just this community of women who don't feel like they're being taken advantage of. They are doing it's their action. They're the active participants in what they're doing. Um, And I think that is a little jarring, especially put in such a modern context. And your video did an awesome job, you know, talking about how a lot of the contemporary versions of really compelling characters are being ignored for the, you know, the nostalgia of, of, of what you're talking about there with, uh, with women being more passive. Good God. I can't believe that is Mm -hmm. in a sentence that I actually, feel should be true about the Academy today uh, after all this time, but it kind of is. I think when it comes to Jennifer Lopez, there's also just an element of her being a massive celebrity in her own right. Right. And the difficulties there are with um, 
just having people adapt to more things and more skills being added to a persona. You know, that's something that Cher really had to fight for over many years. It didn't just happen right away. Um, the same thing with Lady Gaga. I mean, she appeared at the Oscars several times before she recently won one. So I think it, it just takes a while. But wouldn't a man you think almost kind of get credit for taking that sort of risk that Jennifer Lopez took? And break, like having this overly sexual role. And I, I mean, you could talk about Brad Pitt too, which is kind of, you know, he flirts with that. But whereas Jennifer Lopez is snubbed because the Academy can't take, like you just said, a woman that's supposed to be, quote unquote, supposed to be in a passive profession like that, or at least on, portrayed as that on screen. Mm. She's kind mm -hmm. of, it's held against her and snubbed with her. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be probably treated very differently for uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it, um, which I'm just kind of falling short because I don't have much actor <laughs> knowledge on hand. I mean, my immediate thought was Magic Mike. Right, right. <laughs> but I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good comparison. It was celebrated as a bigger hit, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess we could transition to some you know happier subjects here because we did get an awesome version of Little Women. You you made the video comparing every version of Little Women uh, mm -hmm. on your channel there, and I, it was awesome. And I sent it to Mike because he yeah you know you know he didn't get the chance to watch them all, and he was able to catch up there too. So Amy March is nominated in this category. Florence Pugh. She's been Elizabeth Taylor, Joan Bennett, Kirsten Dunst, Samantha Mathis in the major portrayals. Look, I mean, you're such a Little Women, you know, authority here. So I have to ask you right off the bat: Is this Florence Pugh version your favorite thus far? I think so. Um, I just spent so much time uh, working on that video before <laughs> I saw the new version. So I had written the entire script up to. 2019 where I would start comparing oh, that version. So I basically had just seen the same movie or like a version of the same movie three times in a row, but like multiple times in a row. <laughs> um, and so when I saw what Greta Gerwig did and how um, Florence Pugh had interpreted that character, I was just so blown away. And for me, it's definitely my favorite. It feels so refreshing and, and modern. And in terms of the modernization of the Amy character, like she levels Timothy Chalamet with some of those speeches. And my mm -hmm. God, if anybody ever talked to me that way, I might just, you know, melt and hide. <laughs> Shrivel up. It was, it was tremendous. So I'm wondering if you think that the contrast of this Amy March, this Florence Pugh version, I wonder if, do you think the Academy takes that into consideration? You know, a performance that was done before, done well, but never nominated, but it's in this traditional role that, that has been done a million times. Do you think when people put a spin on it, that helps, you know, that helps uh, the Academy members to vote for it at the end of the day? Like they, I mean, because Florence Pugh crashed into this race and then she just kept getting nominated. So she's been in for this late charge. So do you think that's the case? I'm sure it varies from kind of film to film, for example. Like, I'm sure people thought about it with A Star is Born just because yeah. um, people have pretty strong feelings about those versions as well. But I'm not sure if people really put Little Women in context of anything beyond uh, the 1994 version. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just not sure. I think structurally, you couldn't help but compare it just because nothing has ever been done like that before. Yeah. And so I, like, 
I almost rightly so much of the conversation has been focused on Greta Gerwig. And I think Florence Pugh owes a lot of what she was able to do with it, with that role to Greta Gerwig, just because I think this is the first one where we get a nice buildup for Amy, where the, her relationship with Lori does feel like it came from something. It wasn't random. It wasn't uh, sort of like a second place finish. So it was just beautifully set up by Greta um, almost from the very beginning, almost the first scene that they have together. So, all right. So to transition into Laura Dern, because we obviously we got to talk Laura Dern. She's a front runner category. She's a great marmy. Uh, I'm wondering if like a lot of film Twitter nowadays, you happen to like Laura Dern's marmy more than you like Laura Dern's, uh, you know, attorney Nora Fanshawe from marriage story. How would you rank those two? Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think I like her performance in Marriage Story a little bit better, um, just because Noah Baumbach gave her a very funny script, and it sort of allows her to play in these exaggerated spaces that she's really excelled in recently, especially with um, Big Little Lies. I mean, I also enjoyed her Marmy. I'm not the biggest fan of Marmy. Like, I don't stand, Mar- like, not in a bad way, but I'm just not like, oh my God, Marmy. Like, she's not my favorite character or anything. So She soapboxes a lot. I mean, she kind of preaches through the book a whole bunch, too much. And then in the old movies, too. It's like- yeah, a little bit. You know, I, I love a good controversial or um, character with a lot of gray in her. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've never been, like, attracted to Marmy in that way. But, uh, you know, I, I thought her performance was sweet. I can understand why people wouldn't like it or would like it. So, you know, I'm kind of neutral. Also, just to, to go more into Dern here, like you said, you already kind of alluded to this. You think this category is pretty much wrapped up. We happen to agree. I mean, it's just pretty obvious. She's already on a sweep and on a roll as it is. Mike and I are huge fans of her career. We love that she's getting so many moments in this award season, but neither Mike nor myself are really like over the moon or exasperatedly in love with this performance of hers in Marriage Story. Why is it, do you think, that she's the one that is kind of sweeping and that she's on a roll? Do you think it's all merit-based? Do you think it's there's a narrative attached to her? Do you think it's extenuating circumstances? What's your take here on Dern's race so far? So... I think this has a lot to do with the fact that she's Laura Dern. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm a huge fan of Laura Dern's as well. And I think very early in the season, I started noticing that she was popping up in a lot of places that have nothing to do with the Oscars, but at the same time, everything to do with the Oscars. So she had events at like big institutions in New York. She was at MoMA. She was at 92Y. Um, she mm. won, I think like a lifetime Gotham award or something like that. Yeah. Um, there were just a lot of things that were indicating that there was a larger spirit of trying to actively appreciate Laura Dern this year. And the fact that she had two films come out that had, I mean, even if they weren't, you know, raving reviews, they're positive reviews, uh, just is a very nice, like easy way to coincide with an Oscar narrative. So I think, you know, the spirit is just kind of chugging along and really driving itself at this point. And I think more broadly, the, it's sort of what we were talking about earlier, which is that so many of the best picture pictures, movies this year, mm-hmm. um, don't really have strong characters 
are strong roles for women. So many of the the films that are t- being talked about seriously for best picture, I mean, two of them literally had supporting characters who were criticized for not having any lines mm. sure. who are women. So uh, women just aren't factoring into the solutions for any of the stories this year in a, in a big way um, with a couple of exceptions, obviously. I, I mean, I think that that's very disappointing, but I think it also speaks yeah. to kind of how weak this category is um, with the exception of Florence Pugh, but you know, she might just be too new to the, to the stage to overcome something as powerful as Laura Dern's reputation. You are preaching to a good choir here. We, uh, we echo a lot of those sentiments. I could tell you, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's refreshing and it's, it's awesome to hear you, to hear you say that. So if somebody's going to upset Dern at the BAFTAs, I guess it would have to be at the BAFTAs first, you would think, unless you, somebody's pulling a Rylance here. <laughs> Who do you think it could be? Margot Robbie, Kathy Bates, Florence Pugh, we talked about Scarlett Johansson. Who has a chance? Oh gosh. I mean, you would think Margot Robbie because apparently they're obsessed with her <laughs> to nominate her twice. But again, I mean, I think that actually uh, works against her. For the Oscars, I don't know. I don't see anyone. Do, I don't. I don't see an update or uh, upset at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, I think we agree, and we we kind of like I said, we we share your sentiment. It, it feels like a weaker year for this category than it certainly has been, at least in the last couple of years. I think we've, we've kind of been spoiled the last few years with great actress performance in both categories. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just a matter of, like you said, the writing not being strong enough, the roles not being uh, prevalent enough, or maybe just a, a cycle type thing where you're only going to get so many years in a row of great performances. I think actors been down the last couple of years, aside from this, yeah. one, uh, to be honest with you. That's well. actually true. Um, I mean, this is an extraordinary year for best actor. Yeah, it is. And it has been pretty weak in the past. I mean, just a lot of like pretty boring biopics and stuff like that. So I totally get that. So you, uh, you obviously, like we said a couple times on Be Kind Rewind, you've studied the heck out of all these best actress races. Is there any one that comes to mind that you can kind of, you think this year's supporting actress race is reminiscent of, or is this any one nominee that kind of brings back a flashback of a, an actress race you've covered or an actress nominee you've covered that kind of reminds you of them? Yeah, I mean, I feel like with this one in particular, it's like sort of building off of this career that everyone, for the most part, really admires and has been like searching for an excuse to <laughs> to award. And um, there are plenty of actresses like that, certainly in Best Actress as well. I mean, maybe, well, I don't even know because... <laughs> Everybody's kind of underwhelmed by the supporting performances this year. So I feel bad yeah. being like, yeah, it reminds me of whatever. But I mean, it kind of reminds me of Liza Minnelli a little bit where, you know, she kind of comes from this royalty family and everybody kind of already loves her. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, at the same time, Cabaret is like literally probably my favorite movie. So, you know, uh, so okay. I would never be like, oh, I'm underwhelmed by that. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's reminiscent of that, aside from the the bias and the subjectivity totally. that you bring with it, which I completely which I have understand. Plenty of <laughs> Bob Fosse stand. I love it. <laughs> All right, so I guess the, to have a few parting questions here. Uh, the first one is, you know, who are your snubs in this category? You, on your videos, you, you've mentioned a few. Uh, how would you, you know, rank rank your five or? 
how would you put forth a five for, for the nominations here? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, so my, you can go three. You don't have to go five. So obviously I would keep Florence Pugh because that probably was one of my favorite performances all year in any category. Um, I would add Octavia Spencer in Loose. Yes. I really loved her performance in that. Um, and I, I mean, that movie didn't really get a ton of traction, but um, she was really fantastic. And it was really nice to see her have such a dynamic role. Do you think it was a matter of people just not seeing that movie? I'm really not sure what it was. Do you remember the studio? It might, it might have been Neon, actually, which is having a great yeah, year. It was Neon, which yeah. is having a great year, ironically. Yeah. Well, speaking of Neon, um, I mean, literally any female from Parasite could have been in this category. They're, I mean, they were all just incredible. I don't know how you pick. We're laughing right now because we actually recorded our snub section like before we got on the phone with you. Yeah. So people are going to hear this from us in a second. So this is <laughs> you see the film year the, the way we do, and that, that's awesome. So so you have maybe Jung uh, Jo uh, from Parasite, perhaps, and you have Octavia Spencer from Loose. You're keeping Florence Pugh. Yeah. I'm uh, checking your, your list because I remembered agreeing with them. Okay, cool. Oh, um, <laughs> Shuzhen Zhao from The Farewell. Big snub for me. And it, it's sad the way the Academy treated The Farewell just in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, truly. I don't know why that happened. Um, well, we do. But, <laughs> 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 but um, yes. And then Divine Joy Randolph would have been great. I love Dolomite is my name. I really felt like that didn't get enough attention either. And we just talked about we were we were outraged at the the lack the snub of Ruthie Carter's work for costume in that movie. I mean that God, movie those costs I don't even yeah. know where we would begin to find those patterns in real life. How some of those patterns possible? for some of those outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are just there are plenty. Uh, it's just unfortunate that you know if you don't have a big heavy hitter studio or your studio decides to go with a different film to promote, then you're just kind of on your own, I guess. <laughs> Do you think the truncated schedule factored into that as well? Do you think like a lot of these indie movies, you know, released in the past, they just didn't get atop the screener piles? Yeah, I mean, I felt that way definitely about Midsummer and The Farewell. They came out relatively early. I also think, you know, that Florence Pugh didn't get into a lot of Best Supporting Actress categories because Little Women came out so late. But yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like she, it took her a second to pick up traction but I'm, I'm glad that she finally got it. So you're obviously a big fan of Florence Pugh. So I, I'm mm-hmm. going to assume, I mean, if you were in the Academy, if you had a ballot, if it was Izzy's supporting actress ballot, you're going to put Pugh one, I would guess. And who would, how would you kind of fill out the rest of your ballot with the five nominees here we do have? Well, I'm going to be honest. I did not see Richard Jewell. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't even know where to place that. So I guess that would be last. But Fair. Um, <laughs> So I guess I would say Florence Pugh, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Margot Robbie in Bombshell, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit, and then Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell. So as maybe not blown away with Laura Dern's performance in Marriage Story, as, as many people seem to have been have cited as being, you still have her as finishing mm-hmm. number two and having her, I mean, is it close between her and Pugh in your eyes or is Pugh just like head and shoulders above the pack this year? For me personally, yeah, 
mm-hmm. Pew would be head and shoulders above everyone else. But um, I mean, I'll say that it's not like I found that the marriage story performance life-changing or anything, but I had a very good time watching her and she hit her notes. Like they, she always made me laugh. And I feel like many actresses could not have done what she did with it. If that makes sense. It does. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, so sure. Yeah. Number set, number two, let's do it. <laughs> We can't thank you enough for for jumping on today. Uh, we like we said, we love your videos. We're hoping perhaps you maybe could tease us about what's coming next or what what you're thinking about doing next. You know, before you go on that next deep dive uh, in terms of the, you know the research rabbit holes there. Uh, what, what can you tease us with? Uh, so I can tell you exactly what I'm doing, which is that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> I have some ideas. Obviously, um, I could cover the likely winner of Best Actress this year. Um, But I feel like I've done a lot of talking about Judy recently, so I I might avoid it. I'm just not sure yet. Oh, thank you. I sent that video to my mom, and she was just like, (laughs) it texted me back like, amen. Somebody finally gets it about my kingdom with Judy Garland. She was so happy with that. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's it's a tough one. I I don't know how to feel because I just, like, wish that we could – you know, bury the Oscar for Judy next to Judy or something like she deserves it. Right. Like give um, it to actually Judy Garland as opposed to giving it to uh, the Renee portrayal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that or if, um, if I'm just going to try and do something completely random, um, but we'll see. Love it. Well, I can tell you for certain that Mike and I will be tuning in whenever you decide what you're going to do. And I'm sure a lot of other people will, as they always do as well. Izzy, we cannot thank you possibly enough. Thank you so much for giving us a part of your day here and coming on and sharing your thoughts on the supporting actress race. And hopefully we can have you back sometime and talk more Oscars and and more women in in Hollywood. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Want to give our thanks to Izzy from Be Kind Rewind. Stay tuned to the end of the episode. We will be giving her YouTube channel and all her social medias a shout out as well. All right, let's transition now to the traditional category review format. For those of you who have not joined us before for a Mike, Mike, and Oscar category review, what we've done in the previous couple years is we take each and every nominee from one category that we are studying, obviously today, as you've heard throughout this episode, it's Supporting Actress. We're going to go through each and every nominee. We will give you reasons why the nominee will win and why the nominee will not win come Oscar Sunday. Uh, Just to give you guys full disclosure, we are actually recording this piece, or at least most of it, We'll see what timing happens, but we're recording this piece of this episode prior to our conversation with Isabel from Be Kind Rewind. So if we don't reference something that we said earlier in this episode, that's because we didn't get there yet. Time is a flat circle. Time travel hasn't been figured out. Use whatever euphemism or rhetoric you want to have about time travel. But this part in real life is being recorded prior to our conversation with Isabel. So going forward here, like I said, it's the category review. The way we start the category review, the traditional category review segments, is that we go through the snub for these categories to lead off and talk about the woman, unfortunately, that did not make it to Academy Awards Sunday, Michael. Uh, To lead off, we have a couple big names that you were a fan of. Taylor Russell from Waves. She is very high on my list this year. This is a very young actress who is a supporting character. I mean, basically a background character early on in this film. And then 
the midway point happens and she is like front and center uh, of the movie carrying the thing as the heart and soul of it carrying the movie as a main character for the rest of the film i just thought her performance was extraordinary it's really nuanced it's really believable as a high school kid i work with this with this age group Mm. and i just thought she was extraordinary and it's unfortunate because she kind of got slotted in the breakthrough actor category which happens with the young actors sometimes and it's a shame but she did find her name on some precursors to some major award shows or at least mid-major i know she was there at the gotham's Mm -hmm. stuff like that so i thought well the easiest way for a young actor to get their name on the academy ballot is to get in those categories right away and not be relegated to the breakthrough categories. So I thought that would just snowball for her being in the supporting actress category that early. Unfortunately, wasn't to be, but like you said, big career ahead of her. Hopefully this, we're going to see her name in this category and others on these ballots for many years to come. Uh, The biggest snub of the category, if you go by precursors and how they translate to Academy nominations and wins, J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, her work in Hustler. I'm sure we just talked about this with Isabel. (laughs) You and I have theorized on this quite often, talking about this snub and this nominee in particular in recent episodes but we think this has to do with the content of the movie hustlers and how the academy is maybe not as progressive as they like to think they are sometimes the moments they could have had like usher just showing up or something it's a missed opportunity and her star power would have added something otherworldly to this award Absolutely. show. I mean, good God, she's going to headline the Super Bowl for Christ I can't. Sake. She's going to put the Academy to shame with that performance. They're going to regret it. I They're absolutely totally I agree, it. 100%. Octavia Spencer from Loose and Thomason McKenzie from Jojo Rabbit, two of our favorites, Mike. Xu Jin Zhao. We are very upset about how the farewell was treated by the Academy in general. Yes. She had her name at the Critics' Choice as a precursor. We thought maybe she might see her name here and sneak in. Wasn't to be. Yo Zhang Zhou from Parasite. Parasite has a a lot of fans about not only its movie overall, but specifically about its acting. People I know were very excited to get Kang Ho Sung's name in the supporting actor category. Uh, Yo Sheng Zhao is one that we were both very high on, again, regardless of how I feel personally about the movie, no, it ends! But we were both very high on her performance as well, hoping she would come she through. She plays for comedy, she plays for drama. I just loved that performance, and I, I think, you know, bottom line is if you're funny, right? If you're really funny, right? you're not going to get nominated. Uh, well, it's Caitlin Dever can attest to that too, as she yeah. was left on the cutting room floor here by the Academy, never really given serious consideration. She did, maybe as a highlight to her, I don't know, but maybe as a highlight to uh, just a testament to Booksmart in general, she and Beanie Feldstein were both up high on the Feinberg forecast for a while, which was really nice to see, because like you said, comedies usually aren't taken that seriously by pundits and prognosticators and predictors, so that was cool. You know, the Olivia Wilde next film auction rights, Yeah. Made me think that, you know, Feinberg was on it too. It made me think that, you know, the, the industry at large really thought the world of Booksmart. I, I, and that's something to say after the fact that it didn't really make that much money. So that's a good sign. I would agree with you on Caitlin Dever. Julianne Nicholson from Monos. What a great hostage performance that mm. was. My God. And Tilda Swinton playing the mother of her real-life daughter in The Souvenir. I just thought it was phenomenal. She had two scenes in there where it's just like, oh, by by the way, I am Tilda Swinton. <laughs> I'm still Tilda. <laughs> this is what Tilda Swinton does. Tilda so gonna love, Tilda. I love that. I th- it's probably a matter of time before she's back in here and yeah. talking about g- getting in another award to her name as well. Margot Robbie is nominated for Bombshell. Uh, the Baptists saw fit to nominate her twice in this category. The other for, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Had the Academy not had that rule where the same actor cannot be nominated twice for the same category despite being in two different films, which I think might be an antiquated rule, to be quite honest. I, I understand 
understand maybe cannibalization, uh, maybe studio pushing. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, the Academy has that role, so she's not here for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Marsha Stephanie Blake from Loose, another name from Loose. We were very, very high on Loose. I imagine during the Mike, Mike, and Oscars award show, yeah. you're going to hear Loose come up again. Octavia Spencer's sister in that. Some scenes great. that just rip your yeah, heart out. Oh absolutely. my God, what a great performance. Margaret Qualley from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Divine Joy Randolph from Dolomite Is My Name. Some excellent performances there. Gugu Mbatha-Ra from Motherless Brooklyn. I was a huge fan of that one as well. Yeah, the only other name on this list, Nicole Kidman from Bombshell, who surprisingly was there at the SAGs yep. and kind of by that nomination alone forced her way into this conversation because otherwise I don't really think she was being talked about all that much in serious consideration but as always when you make the SAGs you are taken very seriously as a contender for any Academy acting category so that's the list those are the snubs uh, let's transition now into the traditional category review format like I said we're going to take the individual nominees that the Academy does give us we will give you reasons why they will win and why they will not win on Academy Sunday afterwards we will go through perfecting perfection if you don't know what that is don't worry we'll tell you about it when the time comes so mike let's start with kathy bates going alphabetically by last name why is kathy bates going to win for her performance in richard jewell Bates delivers the most emotional performance of the five, in my opinion. It is the loudest. She breaks down in front of the camera on several several occasions. So if the Academy starts to broaden their watch list since the nominations, this is an attention getter. Mm -hmm. And I mean, her role as Bobby Jewell just knocks you over on that first watch. So I hope that people watch this screener in their pile of screeners. Me too. And she does have more of a chance. Because I think, you know, as much as we love Laura Dern, we kind of will get excited if somebody could break through here. Sure. I, I really loved what Paul Walter Hauser did in there. Obviously, we had him on. We don't have just everybody on. So we were big fans. And then, uh, it, I mean, his relationship with his film mommy in this one was, was, was just terrific. <laughs> yeah, as he puts it, and if you go back and listen to our interview with Paul Walter Hauser, he wanted Kathy Bates to play the mother role, the Bobby role, before he knew Kathy Bates was going to play the mother role. I mean, they had her casted already, which Can was kind Kathy of... Kathy Bates be my mommy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he said. That was funny. I echo what you said. I mean, look, you go back and listen to our review of the movie. We are both huge fans of Richard Jewell. I will die on the hill of believing there are three Academy-caliber performances supporting actor supporting actress and lead actor in this and i know uh, mike feels similarly as well yeah be happy with your two popes oscar <laughs> people you know when pwh rockwell and i mean they're ignored it's, it's upsetting hopefully for the last time right, let's get pwh some love because he certainly has earned it uh, mm -hmm. rockwell is always a contender and kathy bates obviously by being here she proves that she is uh, always as well so my argument's going to be very simple and it's going to kind of echo what you said Kathy Bates should win because she may have the best performance out of these five on merit that in are nominated vacuum, in this category. It's, it's that noticeable. Uh, it's been years since she's won for 1990s yeah. Misery. I think uh, I think she is someone that you know is revered throughout the business. So if, if they actually watch your movie, it might happen. And many have said, including us, this year for the two actress categories... It may be weaker than in previous years, and in this category specifically, supporting actress, there's a favorite and a frontrunner who should probably be more vulnerable to an upset than she currently is. I'm going to get more into that in a little bit, but as far as Mrs. Bates goes, there may be enough people agreeing that in terms of performance here, who can stack up with past category winners, maybe Kathy Bates should be the name who's highlighted on Wikipedia over the current category favorite. I hope, I have fingers crossed, but Mike, maybe, probably... 
presumably not to be. Let's talk about why Kathy Bates will not win for Richard Jewell. She does have her win as Annie Wilkes, and I, I kind of agree with you there. Like, you could say, all right, if we're going to vote a legacy pick mm. over Dern, like, we got to go with a name bigger than Dern, right. then that would make sense if it's not Robbie, sure. I guess. I mean, obviously, ScarJo and Robbie are big names, don't get me wrong, but they're young. Yes. And the other three nominations are young. So this would be the one legacy pick, you know, that you throw over Dern and maybe the Academy doesn't go nuts. The Academy would go nuts. So here's <laughs> why they would go nuts. It's because, you know, Kathy Bates has already already won. And this movie hasn't been seen as much as it should be. And, and Laura Dern was going to be voted president of the Academy. Yeah. And, of course, she's won all the precursors and blah, yada, 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 yada. It's probably not happening. Yeah, yeah. And Kathy Bates' resume is, is not all that strong either. Her lone Big Four precursor nomination kind of suggests she's probably one of the last names to make it into this category in the first yeah. place. Since 2003, which was the first year the Critics' Choice went to five nominees for Supporting Actress. We've had nine Oscar noms in this category, Supporting Actress, who carried a nomination in one or fewer of the four major precursors, Critics' Choice, Golden Globes, Baptist, wow. and SAGs. Including just last year, Marina de Tavares became the ninth woman to accomplish the feat. Bates is the tenth this year with her Golden Globes nom, and that's it amongst precursor noms. Each of the prior nine, in common with Bates, not only failed to win this award at the Oscars, but also were likely viewed as distant long shots to do so. Think Leslie Manville's odds for Phantom Thread and yeah. upsetting Allison Janney for I, Tanya in 2017, or ironically, think of Laura Dern's odds in 2014 for Wild beating out Patricia Arquette's turn in Boyhood from 20, 2014, like I said. So probably a long shot. Also the biggest reason Kathy Bates won't win. Her name's not Laura Dern. Makes sense, Michael. Let's transition into Scarlett Johansson's chances now. And I'm going to skip Laura Dern. We're going to leave her to the, you know, the, the power spot yeah. there at the end. Why will Scarlett Johansson win for Jojo Rabbit, Mike? Because there's a possibility she has way more support for this category than her role in Marriage Story at this point. Hmm. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying it's possible. Of the two precursors with the biggest Academy crossover in BAFTAs and SAG, ScarJo found herself nominated in both categories, lead and supporting actress, both times. Right. Obviously, that also translated with the Academy, as she's nominated in both categories here. And with JoJo and Marriage Story, they account for a combined 12 nominations between those two films here at the Oscars. That's more than any one film carries with them this year. Joker obviously has 11 leading the field. So maybe she finds herself, ScarJo does, with enough support from different branches and her acting guild chooses in mass to go for her in this category as a consolation prize for knowing they're probably not going to put her first for the lead actress category. So she's probably not winning lead actress. Right. And I, I get that. And I wonder if this category is a bit more vulnerable. Here's the thing about this character. I think this character is one of the most lovable of this or any year. Good point. Her, her Rosie in this is just... It blows me away. And I came away from the rewatch just completely hating Colin Jost and <laughs> putting his picture on every dartboard. But more importantly... And, and less shamefully, I fell in love with her with her character. Yeah. I just think she's the greatest human being ever portrayed on screen at, uh, this year. <laughs> Let's just say because of the type of person she is in that movie. So Jojo Rabbit is one of those films that I think I get excited about for our next year of movie watching, right? Because every year, and it happens, like The Favorite, even Three Billboards was a movie that I, I rewatched a bunch. What's going to be the movie from this award season that I haven't gotten sick of, mm. that I want to keep revisiting, 
that. It'll be the thing I watch late at night before I go to sleep. Jojo Rabbit is something that I literally came off of a recording and got myself to the theaters because I knew it was back in theaters for one weekend. So cute. And she's a big part of it. I wanted to see it again. I had to see it again. And absolutely, she's she's a main reason for that. I think Sam Rockwell was campaigning for her in the movie at the end of it Ah, with what he said. Look at that. Who knows? I like that. I would love to see this happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I mean, look, I feel like there's four performances I would be happy with in this right. category winning <laughs> and she's one of them all right well you gotta make the case against her now and this is gonna be hard for us both why yeah. will Scarlett Johansson not win it's easy it's obvious but it's both of those things for a reason she has the dubious distinction of carrying two acting nominations on the same show and that has spelled doom for the likelihood of winning either award for those who have accomplished this feat before her most recently uh, ScarJo is the 12th actor woman or man to carry two nominations in her two possible acting categories on the same night. Hmm. The first four times such an event occurred, the thespian ended up taking home at least one golden trophy on the evening. This was in 1938, 1942, 1944. When it was fixed, you see. Exactly. Before Pricewaterhouse. (laughs) The fourth time didn't actually happen until 82. Jessica Lange won her supporting actress for her work in Tootsie, despite missing out her lead nomination for her work in Francis. The seven instances, though, since those four in a row happened, Mm -hmm. in a row is being taken liberally there, spanning the 30s to 1982. Oh, my God. In the seven instances after 1982, which each have occurred in the past 32 years, only three times has the actor ended up winning an award, and each of those times it was because the winning performance went down as a somewhat legendary one. I mean, Al Pacino lost supporting actor in 1992 for his role in Glengarry Glenn Ross. Mm -hmm. was a nomination that probably should have gone to Alec Baldwin anyway, but that's neither here nor there. But... That's also because he won lead actor later in the same night for Scent of a Woman. hoo Holly Hunter missed out on supporting actress uh, a year later for The Firm, but she took home lead actress later that evening for her work in The Piano. The last time such an instance happened was a bit of a runaway as well. Jamie Foxx didn't get his supporting actor Oscar after driving Tom Cruise around in Collateral, but he put forth a masterful performance as Ray Charles, which procured him his lead actor win in 2004 for Ray, though I still maintain that Jamie Foxx should have won both awards that night. Okay, so that's interesting because they went four out of the first five mm-hmm. back, back back in old Hollywood, old, old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then just old Hollywood, they went three for the next seven in terms of the double nominee winning. So that's not as bad as I thought. No, I, I'll be honest. I thought before doing research it was worse than that as well. But mm-hmm. the facts, the numbers are still... It still it's makes less it than 50% yes. that uh, yes. that it happens in the last 30-some-odd years. And if you're considering pitching ScarJo as an upset win, go for it. But just know that the times it has happened, it's been for the leading performance, not the supporting one. Yeah. And the leading performance has kind of been historically, undeniably great. Okay. With Hua and the piano and, and Jamie Foxx's Ray turn. Gotcha. I don't think we're going down that road with Scarlett Johansson's performance here in Jojo Rabbit. Well, I'm glad you made quite the argument there because I cannot bring myself... <laughs> to make one for myself here and I uh, co-sign what you say and I appreciate you overriding this section so that I can gracefully bow out. I'm a team player. (laughs) 
I get it, man. I want Scar. I would be happy with ScarJo winning this too. Yeah. Not so much with lead actress, ironically. But uh, we talked about that already, Mike. Let's talk about Florence Pugh. Why is Florence Pugh going to win and maybe cause an upset for her role in Little Women? Don't take this the wrong way, but I fantasize about being Timothy Chalamet oh, in some boy. of those scenes. There's got to be a better way to put that. <laughs> Damn it. I think it sounded better in my head than on paper. Uh, I'm sure we've chatted with uh, Izzy about this. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that performance and of that movie. I think we all are. Uh, this is the best movie in this category, in my opinion. Uh, many critics agree with me. Eleven have picked her as their winner in terms of Critic cir- Circle and Association Awards. So Florence Pugh does have support throughout like the award season. We also have kind of the tightest race uh, in terms of the critical numbers, in terms of those awards, all those millions of precursors, right, mm. from all the associations, she's third next to Dern and J-Lo, but the race, it's like 20 to 11, so it's not that far. Nobody ran away with it like the other three categories, Good. really. So I think this is the best version of Amy March in cinematic history, but I also think she's pulling off Aaron Sorkin-level dialogue with huge Oscar movie emotions you know, worked in there. She's also got the subtle stuff going on. And in terms of the back and forths, it reminded me of Elizabeth Taylor. No, not from 1949's Little Women, hmm. but rather Mike Nichols, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, Elizabeth Taylor. You dropped that a couple times. You see the, the Mike Nichols performance oh, kind of shining it. through here. I loved it. Yeah. I love when, when dialogue scenes just get electrified. And these were, and I was such a huge fan of those big blowout arguments in this movie even though she's not necessarily going over the top mm. in terms of the performance it's just those scenes really i mean i'm on the edge of my seat extremely Loved well them. written and florence Pugh is a phenomenal actress that come to life certainly I, I agree with everything you're saying there and i'm going back to the merit-based thing and you kind of let off with this as well i think it's at worst the top two performance of the five nominees you cited all the critic circle wins it has and you could talk to anybody go on film twitter go with anybody who's interested interviewing Florence Pugh, go look at people when they talk about the film, go look at people, members of the Academy talking yep. about Little Women, not only with Greta Gerwig did, but what speaking about Pugh specifically. Everybody is a fan of this performance. It's not out of the realm of possibility that she pulls the upset, and like you cited, she does have support from various circles, whether they're critics or maybe some people in the Academy, we don't know, but I think of any kind of upset of Laura Dern, I think Pew might be the most realistic in this category. Well, she's probably got the inside track at BAFTA to a degree, because they've made the, you know, the period piece... You know, a centerpiece of the gosh darn awards yeah. show over the years, I would say. And so, she's got the accent, that old British accent go yeah. playing in her favor there. From across the pond. <laughs> All right, Mike, why is Florence Pugh not going to win for Little Women? It's another segment where I'm struggling to make an argument against her, <laughs> but my cynical nature is just going to say that many men voting in this category might not have seen the uh, that's movie. A good point. Like, I hope that's just cynicism because we've seen it, we've loved it, we've heard a lot of great, great reviews from men out there who have uh, gone to the movies and, you know, kind of become obsessed like we are, we have been with the property but i mean the other cynical set of reasons is she's too young she's too new to the oscars i guess and that's unfortunate but uh, this is the way things are done in the history of hollywood it really has to be a younger uh, actor's performance that just blows you out of the water and and this did us yeah but blows everybody out of the water for it to get right. the uh 
you know, the, the win at that point. Yeah, the latter reason you cited there is, is also what I came up with, which is interesting because we, we do these prep work independently of one another. But I, I said the same thing. I mean, first of all, the biggest reason she's not going to win is the biggest reason anybody else in this category right. is not going to win. It's two words. First one starts with an L. The second one rhymes with burn. <laughs> but Pew's resume is also weak. She missed Golden Globes nominations. She missed SAG nominations. She and Kathy Bates seem to be flip-flopping for one of the last ones into this category. If you go by the precursors, and this is going to be the first award show where both she and Kathy Bates are nominated. So there's that. And then, like you said, if paying your dues is a real thing, she's the youngest nominee in this category by half a decade or so. And even the one who is second youngest, Margot Robbie, who's 29 right now, she's paid her dues. She's got a lot of major precursor nominations to her resume already. And oh, by the way, she owns her own production company. None of these things you can say about Pew, at least not yet, give her time. She seems to be a force to be reckoned with, certainly as far as young Hollywood goes. And it's kind of cool to look at Laura Dern's career as well because she's had a lot of Florence Pugh level performances in yeah. her early career that didn't break through. Good point. So you know there is hope on the horizon. It's just it this happens weird and later. Yeah, this is not. I, I think a couple of these names we cited as far as the young actresses go, they're not going to be names that we're getting rid of anytime soon. I think Correct. Taylor Russell will be around. I think Florence Pugh is definitely going to be around. Uh, so hopefully. She will see her name in years to come. Let's talk about Margot Robbie, though. Why is she going to win the Supporting Actress trophy for her role in Bombshell, Michael? Because Margot Robbie does a ton of emoting in this particular performance. It's another one that's easy to identify for Academy members. Not to say that they want the easy-to-identify performance, but it's it's something that's... It is loud. There are obvious Oscar reel scenes. She's getting emotional, and it, it moves you. It absolutely moves moves you, maybe second to Bates in that regard. But to me, what wins me over in this performance is that she wins me over with the character. And this character, yes, is sympathetic and um, empathic to the character, as Kate taught me to say. (laughs) However, I do think that she is like a whacked out right winger in this movie. Seems to be. (laughs) She's a Fox News uh, producer, I believe, right? Associate producer uh, in the film. And obviously she's dealing with a nightmare and going through that. But before that even happens, you're on her side. You're on her team. It's because of Margot Robbie's great performance. Yeah, certainly her likability and charisma jumps off the screen. Absolutely. I mentioned that her paying her dues in the Florence Pugh argument just before, but I think we both feel like she probably has. I don't think it'd be, you know, if Margot Robbie wins an Oscar at this point, I don't think anyone's going to think twice about it. Certainly nobody in the Academy should come out with any kind of think piece or any kind of outrage against it. So I, I think she's well entrenched enough in the Academy's good graces where a win could happen and for me she's kind of collecting votes for two different performances with her one nomination here it's robbie's second nomination and you could argue that had the academy not had that rule i talked about already where the same actor can't have multiple noms in the same category Mm -hmm. she could also potentially have her third nomination in this category as well and be a duo nom for her work in once upon a time in hollywood as well as she has those two nominations for both those performances in the bafta supporting actress category so not only does Bombshell have wide-ranging support within the largest branch of the Academy, as seen by the film's surprising four SAG nominations, 
nominations. Mm -hmm. But Robbie was all over supporting actress ballots for the Precursor and Critics Circle Awards all, all year long for both this performance in Bombshell and her turn in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So she could be getting votes from two groups of voters, those who think Margot Robbie in Bombshell deserves to win the Supporting Actress Award, and those who think Margot Robbie was snubbed from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that performance deserves to win the Supporting Actress Award. You would think they'd come together and that would really help her when you're voting on the winner of the category. Uh, at least we thought it would come together for one of the precursors. Yeah. But it hasn't, though, Michael. And that's why I have to ask the question, why is Margot Robbie going to lose this? Because there's probably not enough of those voters to pop up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the main reason. The number of total nominations for Robbie in the run-up to Oscar Sunday for either her performance in Tarantino's movie or Bombshell, talking all every precursor, Critics Circle, basically what's listed on IMDb, Critics Circles, uh, festivals, yep. etc. She has 30 combined nominations for supporting actors. Wow. Hell of a resume. Dern has 52 just for Marriage Story. Oh, boy. <laughs> so there's that. And also, regardless of which mindset or Margot performance, voters convince themselves they're voting with or for when filling out their Oscars ballots. It's going to be far easier for voters to talk themselves out of voting for either Bombshell or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because both of those movies likely are going to finish the night with at least one Oscar win to their resume. Yeah. Dern right now may be the lone representation and the lone win. I would say it's even probable that she's the lone win for Marriage Story as things stand right now. Now, Laura Dern has, has done movies like Marriage Story for a while. Big Little Lies, Prestige Projects. So to talk about my cynical brain at work here, I wanted to make mention of Margot Robbie's overall career. And this is a stat I should have done, I guess. I'm just thinking of it now as we're talking. <laughs> okay. But oh well. I, I would be really curious with this new academy or this new age of superhero movies and big blockbusters, kind of the last 30 years, I wonder how many actors have done those big budget movies and still do the prestige ones on the side and then get voted for by the Academy where they're making money for industry people, but they're still making prestige movies for the Academy. Obviously there's a few exceptions, like someone like Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo yeah. has been nominated. Awkward edit there. And they mentioned <laughs> that he's one of them. Because I can't think of big names like Downey Jr. No, uh, I mean, Chadwick Boseman, no, not yet. Once you go blockbuster, one. you never go back type Scarlett thing. Johansson, does that hurt her mm. being in these prestige projects after, you know, a, a decade of being a movie star? I mean, that shouldn't hurt best actresses. It, sh it shouldn't hurt them because I don't know if it really hurt best actors throughout history. I mean, we, we had a lot of those guys, you know, do the big budget movies and come back for That's an good point. Like You haven't seen Tobey Maguire come back to the best actor again, field. Even still, Tom Cruise and Will Smith, necessarily, they do the big popcorn stuff and they can't really yeah. come back and win. They'll get nominated, but they don't win. Margot Robbie is now kind of, you know, turning into the blockbuster movie star as well, with Harley Quinn, with a couple other things, with things that she's doing in her own production studio that is just as laudable as you can get. We we love that she's doing that, and it's it's incredible. I mean, finally, we got some yeah. female-directed projects out there, and, and in, in many ways, she's paving the way as a pioneer in that regard. So we're, we're happy of what she's doing with her career and the direction she's taken at only 29 years old, as you made mention mm -hmm. of. But I still wonder if there's a bit of snobbery going on in the Academy. It's an interesting point. Maybe not even superheroes, but just talking about the types of property. I mean, 
Kristen Stewart, we're still waiting for her to win an Oscar, and yeah. she's kind of come around. Pattinson, you could say the same thing, even though, I mean, those are obviously the two from Twilight. Right. They've made more, I would say, story-driven decisions since then to kind of hone their craft and become reliable actors. But, yep. I mean, Stewart would seem to be closer to an Oscar. Pattinson was inching towards it, and now he's going to go back to Blockbuster World and play Batman. So is that going to get him nominated? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting argument. And again, it's a familiarity thing with the Academy. If your Blockbuster also happens to be the movie that wins the best picture and the Blockbuster that you know crosses all aisles, like a Return of the King and mm-hmm. Viggo Mortensen, now we know Viggo Mortensen, so Viggo yeah. Mortensen will keep showing up and Leo DiCaprio will keep showing up. Maybe you don't have to pay the same dues, like maybe a Tom Cruise and a Will Smith and a Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, it, I like that. I, do you, are you big before you do the blockbuster thing? Does that matter with your chances for Academy? Yeah, that's, there's a lot of different variations and variables that go into that. Um, I think the bottom line with Margot, though, regardless of blockbuster, regardless of age, regardless of dues paying, mm-hmm. she's not going to win because she's not Laura Dern, right? Yeah, let me throw this to you here because you got some great stats again. Why is Laura Dern going to finish this sweep and win it for marriage? Well, you just said it. Because in years when a nominee in either supporting category has swept the precursors in the past two decades, the Oscars have followed suit. Let's talk just about supporting actress as a category. Since 2000, we've had an actress win this category at three of the four big precursors Mm. 12 times. Mm. Every single time they won at least three, the Oscars have followed suit. And by the way, even if Dern is upset at the BAFTAs, in three of those 12 times, a supporting actress actually did only win three of the four precursors, didn't sweep all four, and each time they still went on to win the Academy Awards. So wow. every time you win at least three, you sweep. And usually when you win three of the four big per- precursors, you end up winning the fourth big precursor anyway, 75% of the time since 2000. And with math, that's going to become 13 out of 20 somehow. Yeah. I know it's 2020 <laughs> now, but it's not the 2020. All right. Because 2000 is in there. That's a different Trust grudge me, for us. I've been counting a lot of these categories <laughs> manually over the last few weeks to do all my nerdy stats myself. Uh, look, I think uh, even if she somehow loses BAFTA, uh, it would still take something unprecedented in recent history like you just exhibited with that stat to get her off this podium. And who's going to be the hypothetical name that would be announced? I don't know. Here's what I do know. I think Laura Dern would be also walking up to the stage because she should be, because she'd be <laughs> certain that she was going to win. And then just instinct would take over. She would just walk up because she's supposed to win, of course. And it would be one of the all-time most memorable gaps in, in cinematic history. And then she would give the performance, I would think. That should have been the marriage story performance that we all would have said is just undeniable. Because this is not an undeniable performance, and I can't wait to talk to Izzy about it and see what she thinks. Because I'm, I'm just wondering why this is the runaway. She year. does that, and everyone in the crowd is horrified. Except Glenn Close is giving her a standing ovation. <laughs> give her the trophy. <laughs> just give it to her. Just give it to her. You can see that. Remember, and then Glenn Close just runs up and takes it. Right. Away. <laughs> like a running back taking a handoff. There's also reasons. That that include the fact that she's like Laura Dern, yeah. trustee of the Academy Museum, yeah. as well as Laura Dern, Academy Board of Governors representative, plus Laura Dern, daughter of Hollywood royalty. And all of that is on top of Laura Dern, phenomenal actor looking for her first Oscar. Sure. So 
Those are reasons. And she was on that final shortlist for Academy President. That was yeah. about to happen for her, and it almost did. Yeah. Almost did. Too bad. Uh, but I think we're you know we're happy so far with our new president. Let's just yeah you know, yeah. So far so good. Good job so far. All right. Why is Laura Dern not going to win this thing, Mike? Can you make this argument? Is it? Even I possible? tried. I, I, I'll start with this. I'm not sure. In all my years following the Oscars, I've seen someone that's a lock for an acting category that could or at least should be more vulnerable than she is. I've been saying this for months and I've been blowing hot air because yeah. it hasn't happened yet, but she is sweeping, but th this performance should not be sweeping right? based on the performance. Yeah, I mean, we've said that a bunch, but there's little doubt there's at least some narrative attached to the merit of the performance that's responsible for Dern's being such a monster in this category so far. You could cite, you know, whether, quote, it's her time or, quote, she's paid her dues or, quote, she's Hollywood royalty, whatever. I'm having a hard time believing that what Dern does in Marriage Story is leaps and bounds better than everything else in this category, and that seems to be a fairly general consensus, at least amongst critics. Right. And yet every award show we've had so far, she still hears her name called when the supporting actress winner is announced, and it's to the point... You kind of touched on this already. Yeah. BAFTAs don't even really matter that much to her resume or what would likely be the outcome of this Oscars category. All really her losing at the BAFTAs would do is provide fodder for people like us to declare who number two in this category seems to be or who's most likely to do an upset if one happens at all. But, Mike, can you name me a winning supporting actress performance going back year by year? You're going to take this Dern performance in Marriage Story over easily no. I mean, are you taking this performance by Laura Dern easily over what Regina King did in Beale Street last year? No, no absolutely way. not. Are you doing it over Allison Janney and I, Tanya from 2017? Nope. No way. Arguments for category fraud aside, are you doing this performance over what Viola Davis did in Fences? I put Viola Davis above all of them. <laughs> I mean, I, it might be one of the best supporting actress performances ever with Viola. God. So, I mean, keep going back. What about Alicia Vikander, Patricia Arquette, Lupita Nyong'o, Anne Hathaway and Les Mis? If I was throwing stuff because Boyhood was so bad, like just throwing You've stuff had that and argument. not paying yeah. attention to Patricia Arquette and her phenomenal performance, then maybe that's the yeah. one. I mean, but it's arguable at best, right? right? I mean, for me, you got to go back to 03, ironically, for what Renee Zellweger did in Cold Mountain to have even a conversation about what I would take this. So... I don't know. It's not a strong argument, but is this going to go down? It kind of ties into why Kathy Bates should win. Is this going to go down as one of the all-time great supporting actress performance, or is there more merit to the idea that ScarJo from JoJo should be the one that wins to go in these the pantheon of supporting actress winners, or that the performance that Bates did in Richard Jewell, or that Pew did in, in Little Woman? Am I giving too much away about where I have these ranked right now? <laughs> a little bit. There's those arguments that can be made. It's not a strong one at all but it's what I got because she's probably going to win. She's probably going to win. I didn't even write anything in the in yeah, because I figured she's going to win. It's but I, I would agree with you. I think that the merit-based argument is the only one you can make here as an attorney, and I, I understand that. Pew, in my opinion, is better. ScarJo's better. It's just in this particular year, they're better. I like Laura Dern. Certainly. I Everybody loves Laura Dern. She's awesome. I, I like the performance. I yeah, didn't love the That's how I am, too. And, and she, she should have an Oscar already, by the she way. She should. Just watch any David Lynch movie. Right. Watch, you know, a 
bunch of the films she's done throughout her career and the nominations she's gotten, except for maybe one. Yeah, not that one. Kid involved. Not, yeah, that, not one. that one. Yeah, not other than that one. Rose Red or whatever that one oh, was. God, that I don't even want to remember that category one. review. That was the one she was nominated for. As Oof. a matter of fact. All right, let's do Perfecting Perfection. That is where we re-rank these nominees. So just as a review of what Perfecting Perfection means and what it is, is that we take these nominees in the category that we're covering, supporting actress in this case, and we rank them five through one. Now, just as a reminder, these are only our preferences. These are not necessarily what we would have as our top five of the year in this category. That's going to be revealed in the Mike, Mike, and Oscars award show. These are not even necessarily what we predict will happen on Academy Sunday. Those are going to be revealed during our gambling Oscars preview show. These are just in order of our personal preference, how we would rank these performances five through one. So Mike, let's start with number five as if we didn't give it away already. Both of us have. Yeah. Laura Dern. Yeah. Unfortunately, Laura Dern and, uh, Again, I loved her in Wild. I loved her in the David Lynch films. I've loved her uh, in ex- everything except for Rambling Rose. Rambling I, Rose. I, I oh, just God. looked up. You said Rose Red, which is Stephen King. That's book. a Stephen King thing. Well, Rambling Rose was a Stephen King adaptation, quite frankly, from the way we broke it down. It could have been, right? It could have been like his 1980s coke-addicted <laughs> right. uh, it chapter, whatever. Uh, problems with that movie. Oh, boy. So we both have Laura Dern at five. Who's your number four now? Uh, my number four is Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Hmm. I I like her. That's kind of a testament to this category overall. We keep saying it's weaker than previous years. It's weaker than previous years. That's true, but there's also not a bad performance here. I think these are all really good performances that I like. Absolutely true. Top 10 performances in most yeah. years. And I would say even Laura Dern's performances in terms of the, you know, just the conference room kind of thing, selling me. Yeah. They're, they're, it's very Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It is. And I don't know if it's something that's a traditional supporting actress win, and right. maybe I'm just an idiot. It could and be maybe the I should like the yeah. Maybe I should like the, uh, the female Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross more? I don't know why I don't like that more. Why? I don't have. I'm with you because I don't have. I don't have an answer for that. It's just not. Usually, I get struck with it when it comes to this category, both actress category, and I just don't. The thing is, she's addressing like a lot of the issues throughout the scene in terms of how how, how women have been conveyed, and I, I almost wanted her to have some more fire there. I don't know. I really didn't like that scene. Yeah, it's not what scene. I've seen in courtrooms. The big scene yeah. didn't necessarily work for you yeah. as an attorney. No, it didn't. didn't make sense. It seemed like artistic license in a very obvious way. And yeah. I guess maybe that's where we stand with it. Whereas Could Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is just nothing but that, the whole movie. Maybe the marriage story just needed more Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Ray Liotta, and then you could go at it. But No, no. I thought it did need more Ray Liotta. Yeah. He should be nominated. Anyway, who's your four? My four is also going to be Margot Robbie, I think. Oh, nice. Just, you know, for a lot of the same reasons. My number three, very difficult to do, but yeah. I'm going to say Scarlett Joe. Yeah, we might have the same top five here, Michael. I, think I had Scarlett Joe at number three. I, honestly, Scarlett Joe, Pugh, Bates, whatever order, I, I'm thrilled if any of them pull off the upset. I'm even happy if Robbie does, quite frankly, on sure. merit. But again, I don't think it any of it matters. It's not going to happen. It's like the Patriots going to the Super Bowl every year and winning. Laura Dern's the Patriots, you know, from last year, perhaps. There's no Giants in this bunch. Our Eagles, I guess we have to say. That's terrible. Yeah, (laughs) we have to say it. (laughs) All right, Kathy Bates is our number twos. Yeah, my number two. Based, I I went on Merritt and just what struck me. I thought Pew, not not to take anything away from Bates, I thought Pew jumped off the screen in Little Women to me. And I thought in any year she would be a top five for me and she should contend. And I think she, this year, is kind of 
she's not head and shoulders above everyone else, but she's the leader by a bit for me. It's weird what we're standing up for. Yeah. We're standing up for these millennial performances. <laughs> we're just getting into the industry. Yeah, we think that, they should be yeah. lavished with, <laughs> been that with type all these of year. awards. But we, we stand up for the younger actor performances, and we stand up for the big budget performances. Hey, I was all about Glenn Close last year, all right? That's right, you were. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, sometimes we have those biases yeah, we in a way. Uh, Kathy Bates was our number one coming out of Richard Jewell, yeah, I was. think. I think we both had her there in terms of our review. Of and we Richard couldn't understand Jewell. the lack of conversation around her either. We didn't get it. We didn't get it. And it's unfortunate because it, it, her resume probably hurt her here. I think if she was going mano a mano more often with Dern, it might have been a factor. And Florence Pugh was the late breaker, but I'm feeling Leslie Manville's yeah. you know, vibes here. That goddamn release date. You could say it for Little Women and you could say it about Richard Jewell. I'm just, there. you can't convince me otherwise that if Richard Jewell came out in October it wouldn't have a better chance if Richard Jewell probably shouldn't have came out in 2019 at all it yeah, probably should have been a 2020 movie wins the Oscars it's winning Oscars this year does it win the Oscar we'll see so I mean that's a release date thing too it just depends it depends how much word of mouth I, I agree but it, now you're talking about different quality I mean 1917 is every yeah, year about, you know what I, I mean and this you. is a, Richard Jewell is more of a movie that runs on performances yeah I agree with you but I also don't agree with you okay? <laughs> So that is going to come to a close here for our category review. Florence Pugh, both of our number ones in terms of preference and ranking these and perfecting perfection. Uh, just as a recap of the top five, Pugh number one, Kathy Bates number two, ScarJo three, Margot Robbie four, Laura Dern, the likely winner, sits at our number five. Not at all indictment on Dern or that performance. A great year for, perform for supporting actress, even though it's kind of a weaker year in comparison to recent years. But ultimately, the decision lays at the feet of the Academy, and the decision as far as MMO is concerned lays at the feet of you, dear yeah. listener. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about the supporting actress category and anything else we do cover here in the MMO universe. Uh, do you agree with us? Do you agree with our ranking? Do you have your own? And do you agree or disagree with anything Izzy said from Be Kind Rewind at the start of this episode? We want to hear all from you. You can leave us those thoughts, questions, comments, concerns at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook or Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including an especially Apple podcast. If you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review there, Izzy can be found. Be kind. Rewind on YouTube. Mike, where can you find Izzy on social medias and with some words of wisdom? And what are we doing next for MMO? They all are together, I guess, <laughs> because we are going to watch more Izzy videos the rest of the next few sure. days because I got addicted even more so to them yeah. over the last uh, few days prepping for this interview. Uh, it's wise to subscribe to Izzy's YouTube channel. Uh, Be Kind Rewind, like you said. Yeah, she is at BK Rewind on Twitter. She's BK underscore Rewind on Instagram. You can find her on Patreon. Support the work that she does at BK Rewind, just BKR Ewind. The more important BK. Burger King is now in second place. Burger King is terrible. This I is, doubt it's it. It's way more important. Yeah, well, I like Burger King, but I you agree with the like second Burger part King? of that. Yes. All right, what are we doing next? <laughs> yeah, I said videos. That was a cutesy way to you know, respond to that. But look, we have the Mike, Mike, and Oscars coming up, and I think it's wise to remind you guys that we're looking for category submissions from you. We're looking for nominations, your picks for the winners of those categories. Listen to last year's show, see what we did. But basically, anything 
anything you want to want us to talk about, anything you want to talk about, write our show for us. We had so much fun, <laughs> you know, reading what you wrote and commenting on that, and it was one of the best shows we've ever done, I think, uh, because of you. Yeah. So, Mike, Mike, and Oscars are coming up. It's our year-end review. Please get us those categories and all your submissions and all your thoughts. Yeah, I agree with everything Mike just said. So that's how we're going to end this. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies, these award shows, and Izzy's YouTube channel with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Thank you once again to Izzy. Go subscribe to Be Kind Rewind.